Hi, everybody. This is Ruta Lee, and you're listening to TV Confidential. We're talking to Don Wells, Mary Ann from Gilligan's Island. Don's new book, What Would Mary Ann Do?, takes a look at how Mary Ann would respond to the various changes in today's culture that face single women and mothers, while also showing that good girls do finish first. For more information on these and other upcoming events on Don's schedule, go to don-wells.com. You were talking about how, you know, Mary Ann was a very practical down-home, commonsensical person. One of the adages, in, in at least in, in the entertainment industry and in my industry as a writer, is never respond to a bad review. You don't necessarily agree to that. No, I don't, because I have an actor friend of mine that I've done a lot of plays with, and he saves the closing notices. <laughs> and he saves all the bad reviews. I said, what good does that do you next time around? It's somebody else's opinion, but there's always something to learn. And I had a horrible experience with a, I mean, we all did, doing a play in San Francisco. And I can't even carry a tune hardly. We couldn't hear the orchestra, and I got a horrendous review. The whole play did. It was horrendous. And I wrote and told him, I'm sorry you had such a bad time. I'm sorry that you wasted your evening doing something that you found so horrific. And then I explained why some of the situations happened. He wrote me back. And he said, I've never gotten a gracious, such a gracious letter. Everyone, I've never gotten such a sweet letter. Everyone to whom I showed it said how gracious you were. Thank you for letting me express my opinion, and I appreciate you expressing yours. Wow. You can't, you know, you can't blame somebody. If, now, if I'd have been absolutely dynamite, I'd say, well, then there's something wrong for him. A lot of times you've got a football coach that's come in and decided to, you know, review a dinner theater and doesn't know much about it. Yeah. But I said to Clive Barnes years ago, he was a big critic for the New York Times, I said, Clive, how do you become a critic? What makes you the expert? He said, when you've seen 49 productions of Hamlet, you know, <laughs> better than the others. So there's something to that. But I do feel we all have to measure ourselves. I mean, if you've got terribly critical parents or parents that don't care, you know inside what's right or wrong. You do. I could just imagine that if a critic said something negative about you, a lot of the readership would just go, how dare you say that about Marianne? <laughs> well, it depends on whether you saw the production. You might say, boy, was he right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or as you, or as you point out, I mean, he may have caught you on a bad night or, or, or a night when, because we, we talk about this a lot on the program. Tony and Donna, they, they both perform live, uh, among other things when they're not doing the show. And the audience is always, different i mean it's it's the same play it's the same actors and you've it's it's not like you didn't work any less hard that night than you normally did but sometimes the audience doesn't connect and that could be the night sometimes it's magic though yeah sometimes all of if there's seven of you in a cast three of you are right on two of you had a fight with your wife one of them has got Mm -hmm. a cold Mm -hmm. or forgot a prop or something it's magic when it all when you all click at the same time same with a football game Mm -hmm. when all of you are really getting that that ball over the 10-yard line and all that sort of stuff that you have to do, it clicks. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think that you measuring yourself know when that's working, and you can try too hard. Which foot? Oh, if you're prepared, if you really are prepared, it's easy to swing through. Yep, that's true. Don's book also includes a heartfelt foreword by her friend Russell Johnson, among other things. Russell Johnson wrote, We love Marianne because we like her. We love Marianne, because we need to be loved unconditionally. I know, Don, that you were very close to Russell in real life. We're, we are all very sorry for your loss. Thank you very much, and there's only two of us left. 
Russell and I were the rest for the first year. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting to see how many generations have grown up with a show that has made a difference in their lives. It makes you happy. You came home and ran home with your brother and sister and got to watch this, got to watch this. It's a show that your mom and dad would let you watch. Today, there is so much stuff out there that you just have to filter through. It's really hard. Don, you just described my life. I wasn't allowed to watch TV on school nights when I was very young. We were allowed to watch Gilligan's Island at 4.30. That was one thing that my parents gave us. That was that was our reward for the day. And I remember saying to my mother, I couldn't have been more than nine, I don't know what will happen when Gilligan's Island finally goes away. To which my mother said, well, you know it is, and you will find something else. I am so happy to be watching this show still today. <laughs> Did you have any idea that this show would become... I'm going to say it, iconic, and that you would become part of television history. No, no, and really and truly, our producer, Sherwood Schwartz, said we're never going to get into color, and we probably won't get into any reruns. Of course, we didn't get a dime for all those reruns, but it's the longest-running show in the history of television. We're in 30 languages all over the world. And one of those reasons is, yes, it's, it's, it's enjoyable, and we all kind of get the message, and we all just escape for 30 minutes, but there were no clothes or cars. It told you what period it was shot in. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. There was no 56 Chevy in the driveway, and all of a sudden it dated it. It hasn't dated it. It's the same silly little people doing the same silly little things with love for all these years. And it makes me very proud. I would like to have somebody say, my God, she should be on Broadway with Lion and Winner. She'll knock your socks off, rather than Marianne, Marianne, we love you. But I'm loved all over the world. You can't ignore that. You really can't. No, and it's That's one of the reasons about this book. When we went on the island, there wasn't even birth control. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That could have been problematic. That could have been, yeah. What's happened? <laughs> yeah, but also on the island, it seemed not, not only did uh, all these different people from different walks of life, and I would imagine also in 1964, the farm girl would hang around the agrarian society, the celebrity would hang around celebrities. Really, the only two characters that would intermingle with people that are outside their world would be the Gilligan and Skipper character because they worked in tourism at this point in their life. So they would have interacted with people from other walks of life. But all these other characters would only, you know, especially Mr. Howell and Mrs. Howell, the socialite would have hung out with the socialites and the industrialist would have hung out with the industrialist and the intellectual would have hung out with other intellectuals. They never would have had opportunities to interact with each other like they might now, you know, thanks to uh, social media and stuff like that. Sure. But sure. It, 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 I it's... I think Mariano, there was a question of whether she was a secretary. Did she win the contest? There was never really answered how she got on that little boat and on that tour. I think she, when, when I was starting to write the book, this is just hysterical because I got such a feedback about doing the Fox Network the other day, but I was thinking, all right, if you drop Marianne here today, period, well, how would she react? I think she might, I don't know that she'd go back to farming. I think she'd probably have a child. I think she'd marry. Would she get out of Winfield? Because she was, like you just said, she was exposed to these other people. Yeah. She might even have run for politics. I thought, well, now do you compare her to Sarah Palin or Hillary Clinton? Where no. would she be? I mean, I was going through all what she could have done with her life when she got back. And and I think I think the book kind of covers it. Anything she wanted, I think, really. Yeah. I think she was um, balanced enough and, and level-headed enough to and and values enough to do whatever she wanted to do and that's kind of what i'm trying to say today we all have that opportunity now you know we can all learn by going to college online i mean we can all do a lot of things that were never 
possible 50 years ago. Plus, she was and incredibly resourceful, Don, because as, as, I mean, it, it, it sort of become a joke, but there was nothing she couldn't do with coconut. How did she make a coconut cream pie without a cow? (laughs) It wasn't easy. (laughs) It it gives us our disbelief, which also gives us faith, I think. Absolutely. And and again, I mean, the... The, the, the beauty of the show is, you know, when you look mm-hmm. at it as an, as thirty minutes of pure entertainment, you know, you don't you don't have to think about the fact. Okay, okay, yeah, the professor could have fixed the hole in the bolt, but it's like if he did, that would have ended the, the show. show. Yeah, you know, so the yeah. show, it's it's just it's it's fun and 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 again, going back to one of the things you talk about in the book, which, which I know, optimism and and perseverance are two of your core values. They're also two of Marianne's core. Values and and you say there was I mean, when you talk about Sherwood Schwartz, there was nothing in that man that was not optimistic. That's right, and it took him a long time to get it sold, and they all made fun of him. And and I think that's the good lesson in the book because it's your responsibility to how you look at life. And I'm always okay. How can I make this better? I made a mistake doing that. How can I correct it? I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, but I am an optimist. And you can look at the bad side of everything. I go, oh, my God, everything's turning brown. We're droughting here. Well, okay, but I see rain on the horizon. And I, and I think it's up to you. And I don't know if we're born that way. I don't know. I don't know whether it, whether it comes to us naturally or not. But I do think we have choices. Yeah, you do. I yeah. think today there's too many choices that don't mean anything. Huh. Yeah. I think that, that's what you, I had a thought, and you just blew my mind for a second. <laughs> Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-917-2194. 800-917-2194. That's 800-917-2194. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.